Hello, and welcome to Fact Schmacks. It's the podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My name is Kev, and today I have a story to tell you. My name is Matt, and today I get to be annoying. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. And you're not annoying. I love you. <laughs> so disingenuous. <laughs> well, fella, I guess today, uh, you know, things are, are a little different. You're going to be delivering a little game of fact schmacks here, huh? That's right. The pants are on the other foot. <laughs> it, it better be good. You got a lot to live up yes. to. So I, you know, you, you so often you pick a theme and you run with it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to learn from the best, you know, <laughs> I better, uh, I better do the same thing. You so in this it. case, I, what I've picked are songs that have a meaning that you wouldn't necessarily suspect. Oh, you know, I'm okay. going to give you a, you know, I'm going to give you an example like your, um, you know, your, your police, uh, every breath you take. It's a, a lot straight of up stalker. It's a straight up stalker song, but a lot of people think it's maybe a romantic song. It certainly is not, you know, born in the USA. People think is a song about patriotism. Really, it's about, you know, the way that uh, the U.S. treated uh, uh, Vietnam veterans and, and how poorly sure. they got treated. Okay. So those are some relatively tame examples of okay. some of the things that that I've got for you here. Now, as per your rules, you know, up to two of these, I guess, could be false. Sure. Yeah, because it's season two, so we've mixed it up a little. Because it's season two. Why not? That's right. Well, here we go. <clears throat> yeah, let's get let's get at it. Factor smacked, Kevin. Okay. Hey, Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms was written about the alleged murder of Anna Nicole Simpson and Ron Goldman by O.J. Simpson and the mm. subsequent uh, high-speed chase. I think there's a line in there about a Ford Bronco. Pretty sure. Uh, there, I've never, there could I've be. Never. I've, I've heard it. I don't care for it. Factor smacked, Kevin. God, that's what that's like. Huh? It's very abrupt. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> yeah. The Way by Fastball was inspired by the deaths of an elderly couple, Leela and Raymond Howard, who left their house for a day festival in June of 1997 and were never heard from again. A few days later, their bodies were found in their car at the bottom of a ravine, 350 miles away from the place that they were heading to. Uh, it's believed that uh, Leela, the driver, suffered from, uh, from Alzheimer's and became lost. Or they had like one of the early GPS systems. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Factor smacked, Kevin. All right. I Don't Like Mondays by the Boomtown Rats, going way back, uh, was inspired by Brenda Ann Spencer, who in 1979 opened fire on a school across the school, uh, sorry, across the street from where she lived, wounding nine children and killing two administrators. Okay. When asked why she had done that, she said, I don't like Mondays. Okay. So here's my, here's my rationale. They all okay. sound pretty good yeah. but that story about the girl who shot up the school <clears throat> i just saw that um in my news feed so i think it's kind of current i think maybe you read that i got the idea for this from oh that. interesting so interesting okay i'm gonna say that that is factual as for the other two as for the other two um 
I'm going to say The Way, the fastball song. Yeah. I'm going to say that that is a schmacked. Okay. All right. That's your final answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. I'm going to commit to that. Okay. Uh, That was, in fact, true, as was the story of I Don't Like Mondays. Now, I didn't actually see that. I I, I didn't start from there, but that's that's funny. Uh, Hey, Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms was not written about... OJ Simpson. You know, it actually came out a few years before that. I probably should uh, have known better than that. But with that <laughs> but there last is the, one, uh, I bit into that. I was like, you know, I think, <laughs> I think he saw that same article on his news feed. I actually just came up with. I just was trying to come up with a theme, and I just came up with that independently. And I was looking up songs, songs about crimes or songs about so... you know songs with a weird meaning, and I came across that. That's such a weird coinky dink because I've never heard of that, and I literally saw that I th- I want to say uh, yesterday or today, and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty Isn't heinous. That, was like that in the is 70s, pretty heinous, right? That was very unheard of. Yeah, seventy died, <clears throat> seventy nine. Well, Matt. Yeah, I I I went with Hey Jealousy because it has the uh, line about tomorrow we can drive around the town and let the cops chase us around. <laughs> Oh. And I thought, oh well, if he could remember any lines from the song, yeah, that would that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, it did bring up the dad of Ford Bronco, so maybe subconsciously, I was thinking of a chase. Maybe I don't know. Probably not. Turns out I'm just not that bright. Not as easy as it looks, is it, Kevin? <laughs> now here's the best part: <laughs> I get to butcher a story. <laughs> I cannot wait. So. uh yeah, this might just be Patreon exclusive material, but uh, I want to take you back in time. Hey, even if it's not Patreon exclusive, I'll certainly patr- be patronizing. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. So I want to take you back to 1993. Yeah. 1993? What do you remember about 1993? 1993, I was but 10 years old then. Yep. Um. Feels like maybe the movie The Crow came out in 1993. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was 94. We're not talking about that today, though. No. <clears throat> That's what I got. All right. <clears throat> I was only 11, uh, but I don't know this story from that day. I learned this only recently, and I thought it was pretty fascinating. So we're going to Russia. Oh, okay. You know, in Russia in 1993, we had some, you know, the fall of communism, constitutional reforms. Boris Yeltsin was the last kind of Soviet pack leader. Yeah. Um, We're not talking about that. Oh. We're going to talk about some hikers. Okay. All right. I think I know what you're about to talk about. And uh, to be honest with you, I almost wrote an episode about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Well, play along. Yep. We're talking about seven hikers. Uh-huh. Uh I'm gonna I'm just gonna go through and butcher their names quickly. We've got I cannot our, wait. Our group leader, an experienced hiker. We have Yudmila Avanov <laughs> Avanova Korovina, forty one year old. Tatiana Filipenko, Alexander Sasha. Kryson, 23, a family friend of Lumilia's or Corvina's. Uh, reportedly, she raised this guy from childhood. Uh, Dennis Shavakin, 19, 
Victoria Vika Velasova, 16. Timur Bapanov, 15. And Valentina or Valia Yudachenko, 17. Who uh, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more. Uh, so, Kevin, if I can just interrupt you there, what I really appreciated about that was how easy all of those names just rolled off of your tongue. <laughs> right? Listen, if there's one thing we do well on this show, it's ruin names that aren't completely easy. Like, if it's not yeah. John Smith, it's just butchered. So, this is a lot like, I'm just going to give a little spoiler here. This is a lot like the Dyatlov Pass story we told. So, I've learned two things from our show and from studying this, uh, never join a hiking club, never hike in Russia. Yeah. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but I, I've been kind of getting into the whole hiking thing and, and doing some camping and, you know, so I, s- I started uh, going down a rabbit hole and I started looking at scary hiking stories. Ooh, expecting like a hook in the car door or something like that. Yeah. Or like, you know, there's, there is some pretty crazy stories that might make for other shows. This one really stood out to me. So this group wanted to look at going about 70 kilometers through some mountain ranges. Nothing like super high. <clears throat> We're not talking about Mount Everest or anything, but I mean, you know, they're mountains. Yeah. They're not just hills. They're mountains. Not an easy hike. It's not an easy hike. And this group, typically, everybody really looked up to the leader. She was, by all accounts, a very experienced hiker very knowledgeable, but uh, had come under some criticism for being a little bit hard on the students and the people who hiked with her. Uh, yeah, how old is she of, compared she's, to that? She's 41, so she's kind of, okay. she's, <laughs> I guess, our age. And <laughs> the other ages in the groups are 24, 23, 19, 16, 15, and 17. So Speak for yourself, down. brother. I'm not 40 yet. I'm not yet either, but I've got That's like two cute. weeks left. So I won't be able to say that for very long. So it's mostly teenagers and they're leaving in August, right? So this lady had come under some criticism of being a little bit too survivalist on people, people often coming home exhausted, hungry, a little dehydrated. But otherwise, most of the people who went on these trips with her thought, you know, they really challenged themselves and it's supposed to be hard and they felt better for the challenge. So yeah. They just kind of took it as part for the course for hiking. Yeah, it's not supposed to be easy. So these guys strike out on August 4th. And they basically, so I'm going to, there's some names in here that I'm going to just basically skip over because they're mountain ranges in Siberia that I don't think anybody really knows where they are. For the purpose of the story, just imagine people hiking through mountains. They're going into the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So on like the third or fourth day, they, they run into some weather. They're getting some un- unusually rainy weather for August. And they end up pitching a tent on like the side of a mountain. But they pitch it kind of out in the open where there's uh, yeah. maybe a couple hundred yards away is like a tree line that would have offered them more coverage. But for whatever reason, they decide they're going to set up camp there. Now the next now, pitching a tent on the side of the mountain out in the open, very near a tree line, sounds very much like very familiar. What in the sounds Seattle very familiar. So the other thing about this is the next day they're supposed to meet up with Coravina's sixteen-year-old daughter, who is in another hiking group, 
they were supposed to meet up and finish the rest of the hike on together, right? So anyhow, uh, they get this bad weather. They set up tents. Sometime in the middle of the night, Corvina wakes everybody up. Everybody kind of is starting to get wet. The, the clo- uh, sleeping bags are getting wet. The tents are wet. She tells everybody to hurriedly pack, and they're going to move for better ground, kind of try to get some cover, whatever. So they decide to strike out, uh, you know, to safer area on the morning of August 5th. So they start making an uneasy descent down a mountain slope, but only minutes into the track, the oldest and strongest of the male hikers, Sasha, who's like a son to uh, uh, Leudamila Corvina, the the leader. God damn it! I I, I want to say it's like the English <laughs> equivalent of like Lydia. Stop laughing at me. Uh. <laughs> God, I got to pick like episodes just easier to say so, names. So glad I decided not to do this. <laughs> Is that what deterred you from it? Was the names were just a bit. Oh, so a hard. Bit. <laughs> so anyhow, Coravina basically raised this kid. So on the way down, he starts, uh, he starts bleeding from his nose, ears and mouth. It's not normal. Not Shouldn't normal at that. all. And no. with, and within minutes he's dead. Also not normal. No. Like that's, that's not no, supposed to happen. That's no bueno. No. So everybody's shocked. I mean, somebody's just died. That's not normal. Right. Generally a, someone drops dead right in front of you. You get a little concerned. And if they like, you know, it, it's one thing if they grab their chest and fall over. It's an entirely other thing if they start bleeding from every orifice in their face. And yeah, then, like horrifying yeah. shit, right? That's scary. So they're all shook up. Uh Coravina, she tells the rest of them to continue down the slope as quick as possible, and she's going to remain with the Sasha. I don't know if she's going to say bye to him, try to see if she can revive him, whatever it is. Uh, she's been with this uh, this young man since he was young. It's practically a son to her. So she stays behind, and they start descending. They only go a little ways when they're called back by Coravina for help. She couldn't move. She was also having these same symptoms, uh, and she also died almost within, you know, a couple minutes of Sasha dying. So kinda, one person does this is kind of weird. Two people do two this It's kind of weird. And this has only just begun. So they start kind of freaking out. Like, their leader's gone. Their strongest hiker's gone. All of a sudden, uh, the rest of them come down with it. So they're getting the bleeding, all that stuff. Uh, they're freaking out. Two of the girls in the group collapse, tearing at their clothes and twitching. Um, the lone survivor of the group, who we'll get to later, says uh, the one guy started hiding behind the rocks and tried running away, hiding in a sleeping bag. Uh, one girl, Tatiana, started banging her head against rocks till she was till she basically went limp. Oh, um, that's horrible! Yeah, I have. Okay, so the rest of the stuff is is bad enough, but that I have such a huge. Isn't that, that gives like me th- 
it gives you goosebumps, right? You're like, yeah, oh, man. Like, like, I feel that in my that? taint when I think about it. Yeah. Like, so, so anyhow, uh, she tried to recover the one girl, uh, and it was the youngest of the group and this girl tried to bite her. So Valentina and Dennis are the only two who don't immediately kind of succumb to this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And they start making their way away, like down the hill. Uh, where Dennis basically tells Valentina, you know, grab essentially whatever you need and just run. So she grabs everything, starts running. When she looks back, he's already collapsed and he's bleeding heavily. She can't do anything. She runs. She gets down to the tree line, basically hunkers down and come morning. She turns back around, goes up to see them. And they're all as they lay dead. She took the supplies that she needed to hopefully get to safety from them and allegedly closed all their eyes because all their eyes were open. Um, I mean, that's got to be just a horrifying, isolating feeling. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're... Couldn't pay me enough to go back up there once. No, no. No. Going in the opposite direction. So she makes it down there. She's alone. She's, you know, half, half conscious, whatever. She's not in a good way. Um, she ends up finding some power lines and starts following them down. Once she gets down to, she thinks she's in a town. It turns out to be this abandoned mining town. Like what a kick in the nuts that is. You've just been through all this. You see some, some rooftops and you think finally and you're in an abandoned town like oh my god it'd be like getting lost in northern bc and you finally find civilization it turns out it's that abandoned town that somebody's paying to keep the lights running on yeah like isn't that crazy that so anyhow crazy, she eventually makes it down to a river where she hangs her shirt on the branches kind of trying to get dry whatever hypothermic at this point uh, yeah, and she's found by a couple of Ukrainian tourists on kayaks, and these guys actually go past. And as they go past, they get down a ways, and they kind of go like, ah, "Something's not right there." Wasn't that weird? Is that weird to you? And yeah, so they're like, "Yeah, yeah, let's go back." And they go back, and apparently she was, you know, pretty catatonic, and wouldn't really. She kind of told a brief story of what happened. But it actually took her years to actually fully talk about what actually happened. So they launched a search for the remaining group. Um, they weren't recovered till the end of August. And by that time, decomposition had set in. Animals had reached remains. Um, when the bodies were found, they were pretty shocked at the condition, right? Like they were pretty contorted and grimacing horribly. Some of the bodies were barefoot. Some were wearing nothing but tights and leotards. Um, Lidumila. Sorry. <laughs> Kornikova. It's when you put it like leotards, it's... Well, I'm going by my notes here. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, oh, I know. So, Korovina was still draped over Sasha as if shielding him. And uh, one of the members of the team recovery team described uh, and it's a quote here it was a scary picture 
The hikers were laying on a small ledge, some huddled together, some a little distance away. They had no eyes. In the empty sockets and parted mouths, worms were crawling. We packed the bodies in plastic bags. When they flew to Yulan UD, the smell in the helicopter was impossible. Some of the men were sick. Like now, I think that's like that's pretty normal stuff for bodies that have been out exposed to the wilderness for a while, right? It took a long sure. time for them to get there and and investigate. But just like what a you horror know. show! An oh absolute yeah, horror show. So I know we're kind of past Halloween, but this kind of tied in with our our spooky start to the second season. Now, why would six like? with the exception of me, people who go hiking are usually pretty healthy. They have some, For the most some good cardio endurance. You yeah, know? people who are hiking through mountains are generally not robust. Like us. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're pretty robust, pretty healthy. Uh, according to the they might autopsy, even be swarthy. maybe even swarthy. According to the autopsy, it was hypothermia, and the bodies appeared to be suffering a protein deficiency. Uh, despite having eaten well on the trip, they found unopened food and stuff in all their bags. So there was kind of questionable there. Uh, they also had bruising of the lungs. Um, well, unless that protein deficiency had something to do with whatever. Yeah. Whatever might have gotten them. So now that's kind of a short story. There's, I'm, That's pretty much the gist of the gist of it, you know. But yeah. What are the th- what what are the theories here? Like that's kind of what I want to want to get at here. Like how does this happen? Uh, Yetis, uh, <laughs> nuclear weapon tests, chemical weapons. Well, tests. no, it's it's Yetis with chemical weapons. Yeah, well, I guess. Yeah, geez. No, yeah, you ever- never really think that it could be a couple things together. <laughs> no, that's pretty unique uh, take on that. I like that. Absolutely. It's not one or the other. And you know what? You know where they got the chemical weapons from? Aliens. Oh, wow. That's the perfect, perfect storm of conspiracy right there. It sure is. Yeah. Couldn't possibly be that um, the Russians were testing a chemical weapon and maybe didn't want to admit it and weren't really telling anybody about it. Yeah, like or maybe in some sort of industrial runoff or something that they were doing. Yeah, now there was also some talk of like uh some trapped gases from the earth. I can't think. Yeah. The only gas that really comes from the earth that would that would cause any kind of uh instant death would be like H2S, which could exist uh in the constant I think after uh, so that'd be hydrogen and two sulfurs. Is yeah, that- hydrogen sulfide. So hydrogen sulfide is found in um, like crude oil has H two S a lot. Uh, it smells like rotten egg. Now, okay. the thing about H two S gas is it smells like rotten egg up until about seven parts per million, and then it actually blocks out your your receptors in your nose, so you can't smell it. Okay. So you stop smelling it, and then at like. I forget. I've had training on this stuff, uh, but at a certain, and it's not even a very high concentration, it basically asphyxiates you. So Yeah, but people who asphyxiate don't tend to bleed through the face, you know, through the well, nose, and eyes, and ears. And that's the thing that I find really perplexing about this. It's So let's say they had hypothermia, 
right? Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Me, I, yeah, I'll go on this walk me, with you. Me, you, and, and five other people, we go out and we get hypothermia. Uh, you being mm-hmm. tiny, pale, and frail are probably going <laughs> to succumb to the hypothermia very early. Whereas a large, you robust guys are fellow like myself, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll make some. Mat- I'll make some mat chops. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in the woods for like an hour. You're looking at me like, and I'm just turning into a pork chop with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, I hypothermia. I mean, but per, people are going to survive. I would assume different lengths of time. I mean, extreme hypothermia, it might be a degree of of maybe an hour or two. I don't know how mm-hmm. quickly extreme hypothermia, but we're also talking about a mountain in August. So, uh, I mean, it's a mountain, but it's August. It's raining, but it's August. You kind of go like, uh, hypothermia. Now, I know, like, it's possible. Changes in, changes in pressure. I know, like, I'm, you're never going to believe this. But I'm one of those people who, you know, in the fall, I get a lot of nosebleeds. Because, <laughs> when the, when the, especially when I was a kid, because uh, Absolutely. the pressure I, changes, you know, I have a hard yeah, time in the atmosphere. It, yeah, it has, it's, it's hard on my delicate little nose. <laughs> and, oh, my uh, God. So, may, all right, maybe I can buy some, like, mass pressure change, but you just bleed a little. You wouldn't be, I don't know. There's two. That's me, your nose too. That's not your ears and eyes. Like the eyes yeah. thing, man. That's horrifying. Yeah. Two possibilities for me: either the girl's lying, was hallucinating, is mis- honestly mistaken. Whatever. Like her version of events is not correct because she's the only witness, right? Everything else, they get there. The eyes are eaten out. Well, of course, the eyes are eaten out. That's the first stuff that gets eaten. Eyes, tongues. Uh, all the all the soft tissue gets eaten real quick. Uh, so, but she's either telling the truth, or she's she's mistaken, lying, or whatever. So, if if she is telling the truth, then something funny happened there. Like, yeah, like that's not normal, right? Now, one no. of one of the ideas that's floated around is a pulmonary edema. So, there's a thing I looked this up. Uh, it's called high altitude pulmonary edema or HAPE HAP uh, high altitude pulmonary edema occurs when you're at high altitudes or if you're rapidly going up ascending a mountain HAP is a severe form of altitude sickness also known as mountain sickness which occurs because oxygen levels are lower at higher altitudes now that could cause a little bit of um, psychosis maybe uh, some parrot, like if your brain starved of oxygen, who knows, like that girl hitting her head off stuff, like who knows what was actually going through her head. Yeah. Um, I, I do think in either case, um, if it's, you know, some environmental effect or if it was a gas or something, you know, the, the, the girl who survived her running to the tree line is what saved her. Yeah. But to me that, that bodes, that's, that, um, you know, leans heavier into the the gas um, idea because you know she got out of the area. Okay, so on on Reddit, I found a interesting uh, theory. Uh, Redditor wrote in, and I'm not going to credit him because I didn't think to save it. 
the quote was, my wife is from Siberia and her first first thoughts were the booster rockets that are used in space flight that fall off rockets usually land in these areas. The fuel can leak into the water supply. The people drink toxic water supplies. This is thought by many to be linked to high incidence of cancer in northern Siberia. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't think, I don't know that that's the sort of thing that's going to make you bleed from the eyes. I, I, so when I was doing my little research on this, I found a theory, and I don't remember where I got it from, that there's a certain type of nerve gas that would produce symptoms pretty similar to what uh, what was observed. And there was this idea that, you know, they could have been testing in that area days before, and there was some that just kind of hung around in a low-lying area. You know, if it's if it's lighter than air, or sorry, if it's heavier than the air, and it gets into like a little, you know, dip in the ground, could essentially just stay there, wouldn't have wafted away or blown away. And so maybe these guys, you know, essentially walk through it. Yeah, just but bad luck for it not to affect uh, the survivor there, Valentina. Like it's just—it's so weird. Could have been something as simple as if they're walking in a line and she's the only one that's not walking in the line of it, right? I guess maybe I mean, one person disturbs, you know, disturbs a pocket of it, and it kind of flies up and and around, and she's just the only person who wasn't in range, didn't hang around long enough to be affected enough by it or to breathe enough of it yeah. in. Yeah. And I mean, we we got people of different ages, different sexes, all probably relatively healthy individuals. I mean, you know, not to say that unhealthy people can't hike, but typically uh, someone who's going on a 70 kilometer hike, especially at at elevation, they got to be pretty robust, pretty healthy, pretty, uh, you know, good fortitude. You would think that... uh, any kind of physical ailment, uh, hypothermia, a pulmonary edema, um, anything like that, even poisoning from contaminated food or water would affect each person individually. Yeah, like, differently. Yeah, yeah. And, and that the time frames for, for death would be, you know, if not, if not days, at least hours. I mean, if you put both of us in a lake freezing right now, because it's very cold out, uh, which one of us would go first? Would we go at the same time? I don't know that. Maybe you would. Maybe once you get hypothermia, you've got, you know, a max amount of hours and they timed out. But I'd like to think that, uh, you know, individually one person would survive, you know, two people would survive, somebody would make it another day, something, right? Yeah. Which makes this... That's what makes it so crazy is like the, the symptoms these people had and then the quick time in which they all died. Like it, yeah. from the sounds of the story, it happened within minutes. And that if, if she's, you know, if, if she's, she's telling, telling the, the truth. truth. Yeah. yeah. Which, but, but if it didn't happen in minutes, the bodies, like here's the thing that adds credence to her story is the bodies were all found together. So yeah. if one person dies or two people die or your whole group is sick, you don't all just sit down and die in the same spot. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to keep trying to push forward as far as you can. You want to survive. Inherently, you want to survive. And you probably want to save your friends. 
which kind of adds a little credence to her story of it all happening quick succession, you know, this quick and violent moment where everybody just died. And that to me is like, when I heard this story, I was like, Oh my God, like that's fucking insane. Yeah. Like I'm go, I'm still going with basically trapped gas. I think, how about this? The first guy walks into it. He's the first one to go down. He falls essentially into it. Second person goes over, huddles over him. By this point, they've disturbed the shit out of it. Yeah. And they call people back to the area. Anybody who gets close enough to them gets a big whiff of it because now it's been disturbed and it's floating around. So I would say that unlike the Dyatlov Pass, which you poo-pooed all my radical uh, theories. Well, because there's really nothing that <laughs> weird about the Dyatlov Pass. They have con- injuries consistent with an avalanche. It's just don't know exactly how the avalanche happened. Yeah, I still think Yetis, but whatever. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But, but this, this one, one, yeah. Yeah, this one, it almost makes sense for it to be like a Russian weapons thing or or something, right? Like, I don't, I can't think Russia's of Russia's the sort of country that wouldn't necessarily admit it if they accidentally gassed seven or six of their own uh, civilians. Yeah. Even if it was an honest mistake, they sure. don't tend to admit stuff like that. No. Yeah, anyhow, I found this story kind of interesting. I don't know. I kind of thought it would be a bit of a short story because it's it's really just that moment that makes it notable. There's nothing else in this hike or these people that's really, you know, it's not like uh, it's not like uh, the leader was a, a spy or you know what I mean. Like there was nothing, no backstory to it. It's you know, it's notable for yeah. the fact that they all died in this short amount of time. So kind of a mm-hmm. maybe quicker episode, but uh, you know. It is what it is. Fascinating story. Fascinating. You got a closing fact for me? I sure do. Lay it on me. I sure do. I'm really interested in space. I think I made that very clear. Yeah. I like the extreme, extreme, extreme things in space. One uh, One of the cooler objects in space is what used to be known as a pulsar. You know why they'd call them a pulsar? Because they pulse? Because they pulsed. And they were sort of like a star, but they would have this pulsing light. And sometimes that pulsing would be really, really, really fast. Do you know what pulsars turned out to be? What's that? It's a neutron star, friend. A neutron star. Do you know what a neutron star is? Uh, That's like a dying star. It's a star that was not quite big enough to turn into a black hole like your band so oh sorry (laughs) so what happens is essentially it's just a mass of straight neutrons nothing else about a teaspoon of the stuff would weigh as much as manhattan um very very dense about the densest thing that that we can fathom it's a stuff called neutronium uh outside of whatever the hell is in the middle of a black hole now, the really neat thing about pulsars is they can, like I said, they can spin really, really fast up to like 500 times a second. And sometimes I just like to imagine something that's that big and that heavy spinning around 500 times a second. Well, something this big and this heavy 
can only spin around one time per second. I tried it. Okay. Bye. Well, bye. <laughs> well just, done, Kevin. Just end with a horrible joke. Yep. Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts schmacks. Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on twitter.com at fact schmacked pod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz, because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure. <laughs>